We're looking this morning at one of the parables of the kingdom. And um, the S-Club over the last uh, couple of weeks have been doing a series on the parables of the kingdom. And I'm going to invite a couple of uh, uh, of them to come up now and tell us what they've been um, learning about them. So Izzy and and, uh, Esther, if you'd like to come up. And uh, tell us which uh, parable you've been looking at and what um, what you've you've learned about it. He's going to go first. You're all right. Um, So we we were learning about the parable of the seeds. Um, It's quite a famous one, but it's more about the soils than the seeds because it's about how people respond to hearing the gospel about God's kingdom. Each different soil type represents a different response to God's kingdom. Some people hear but aren't interested. Some hear it and follow but fall away when they are persecuted. Others fall away when the worries of this world get in the way. The seed that took root and grew healthily is the seed that fell in the good soil. These are the people that hear the word, receive it and live in a kingdom way. We should examine our hearts to see what soil type we are and what we are going to do about God's kingdom. People that are part of God's kingdom and those who aren't live together in this world. A farmer's servants come to him and tell him that an enemy has planted weeds among his good seeds. The farmer doesn't remove the weeds because he is afraid of damaging the good seed. So he waits until the good seed is ready to be harvested and only then removes the bad seed. The bad seed is thrown into a furnace while the good seed is put into his barn. Jesus is going to come back and gather all his people into his kingdom and to judge those who aren't his people. Thank you very much, girls. If you take a seat, that's great. Thank you. You've been listening hard in your last couple of sessions. Well, it's great, isn't it, this morning to be able to be with um, Simon and Madeline and James and Catherine, uh, giving thanks for the birth of Molly and uh, Lily. Make sure we get them the right way around. And ask uh, for God's blessing on them. Uh, at the moment, they're both um, very small, very cute, Molly and Lily I'm talking about, um, but uh, Simon and uh, James are quite uh, cute as well, I'm sure. Um, they're not able to walk, they're not able to speak uh, or talk, they're very dependent on their parents. But um, one day we pray that they will grow up to be mature women of God. And sometimes it's difficult isn't it, for us as humans to, to imagine what potential there is in something very small, in these young babies, how they will grow over the next um, next years. And yet when they get there, um, we'll wonder how they were ever once uh, babies, and we'll only have the photos, or the marks on the wall as they grow up to, uh, to prove that one day they really were very, very small and fragile. Well, this morning we're looking at two parables that deal with growth. Um, not um, of small children, but of the, the kingdom of heaven. Um, as we just heard, it's part of the teaching programme that Esther Club are going through at the moment, and it's good to hear from, uh, from Esther and Izzy. And over the next two weeks, I'll be looking at two different parables, the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the, the wedding banquet. And what all these parables have in common is that they're about the kingdom of heaven. So it's good just to unpack a little bit about what that means, first of all, before we start. And we started to introduce the theme with uh, uh, the guys from different countries. Uh, most of us here, I guess, live... Um, as citizens of the United Kingdom. I think all of us here obviously live in the United Kingdom. We're here at the moment. Uh, we've been brought here for various reasons. Um, if we are citizens of the United Kingdom, we, we follow, we um, obey a queen who has rules, laws that we have to uh, adhere to. Um, and we follow her prime minister and her government. And the kingdom has limits to it. There are borders. 
and we need those passports to be able to cross the borders and come back into the country quite freely. But um, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, was quite different because it didn't have borders, it didn't have just geographical limits. So what is this kingdom then that we're talking about here? How do we picture this? When Luke 17, Jesus was asked by the uh, religious leaders of the day um, when the kingdom of God would come. And this is what Jesus said to them. He said this, he said, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, not something that can be seen. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's among you. Now we are citizens of the UK, if we have a British passport, if we live here and we need to comply with the laws of the country. But we're citizens of heaven if we choose Jesus as our king. Uh, To do that we need to accept him as our our saviour, the one who rescued us from sin, who made us right in the eyes of God. And we need to follow him as our Lord and our king. So we are born a citizen of a particular country, but we choose to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And it's possible for people of all nationalities to belong to that kingdom. So that's what the kingdom of heaven is about. And what do these two very short parables um, tell us? And if you've got a Bible, do uh, have, them, have it open, at, uh, that passage from Matthew 13, which Cathy read for us. And the first point is very simple. Um, it's that the kingdom of heaven starts small and it grows big. It starts small and it grows big. And the reason Jesus chooses the mustard seed as, uh, as an illustration is that it's a very tiny seed. A tiny seed that becomes a huge plant, as it says here, or a big tree. And when you see a tiny seed, it's very difficult, isn't it, to imagine how that could become something quite so big. Now, I think if Jesus had been in this country, um, he might have chosen an acorn and pointed to how that can become an oak tree. The symbol of this school is an acorn. The nursery is called tiny acorns, little children who become big adults, big oak trees. And the parable here talks about um, as the seed grows into a tree, birds will come and perch in its branches. In other words, people will feel peace and security about being in this kingdom where they have a king who looks after them. Now I wonder, if you'd heard this parable when Jesus first spoke it, I wonder what you'd have thought if you were around then. Um, Because some of the religious leaders actually accused Jesus of blasphemy. Uh, some people mocked him and ridiculed him. And um, when he hung on the cross, the soldier said, you know, if you really are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. But we had the privilege 2,000 years later of looking back and actually seeing what Jesus said has come true. The kingdom, the kingdom had very humble beginnings as we just sung in that song. It started from a squalor of a humble, a borrowed stable. Jesus was born, placed in a an animal's feeding trough. Very different from uh, Molly and Lily with all the care that they got. Jesus grew up as a normal boy, son of a carpenter. When he did grow up, he started his ministry. He chose a bunch of very ordinary people to, to follow him, to be his disciples. And he died a humiliating death. And that looks like something which has just gone horribly wrong, doesn't it? But the amazing thing is that he rose to life. He sent the Spirit. And those 120 followers, when the Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, grew on one day to 3,000. 
And 2,000 years later, that, that group of followers of Jesus has grown to about 2 billion people worldwide. That is incredible growth. And yet, I guess we live here in the UK, and um, we see around us a country which is quite hardened to the message of the kingdom. And it's quite easy to think, isn't it, well, the gospel has no real power. Um, particularly if you're the only Christian in your class at school or at the workplace, maybe in your streets. But there are good things going on in this world. Just uh, Grant and I um, attended the Evangelical Ministry Assembly this past week in London, and we're very grateful to you for allowing us to, to do that. It was a very encouraging time, an inspiring time. And the theme this year was how do we engage with a society where we feel increasingly alienated. And in the autumn term we'll be looking at uh, the letter of 1 Peter, seeing how we can um, see what it teaches us, which is just as relevant then as it is to us today. But so what we heard from that assembly, there is a real work going on, even in this country. A guy called Rico Tice talked about how in universities um, a new resource has been published called um, Uncover. And this is a thing which has been given to Christian students. it's allowed them just to, to offer to read the Bible with a friend, find out what is Christianity all about. And there's been an incredible response to that because there's a hunger from people wanting to know what is this Christian faith all about. These people who lead different lives, what is it that they have got? There's um, another letter I received um, this week from somebody who visited a church in Cumbran in Wales. Um, and even in Wales there are incredible things going on. Um, I haven't, uh, I haven't got um, a copy of it here. I'm not sure what I've done with it. But it's talking about how since April, um, the space of two months, in a small church in a poor part of the, the, the town there, um, they're having worship service every evening. Um, between 400 and 700 people are coming to these services. 650 people have turned to Christ in the space of a few weeks. God is at work. Um, and in the world, you look worldwide, China, um, a place which tried to wipe out Christianity. And yet today, there are 10,000 people every day being baptised. An incredible work of the Gospel. So even if we can't see it here and now, um, let's not think that it's not going on. And I think also, if we think of what is the power of the Gospel, how can we see it? Just look at some of the people you know who have become Christians. Look at the change that's taken place in their lives, how they've started from somebody who has a, a basic grasp of the, the message and grown to mature, committed followers of Jesus Christ with great compassion and love for the world around them. Faith starts small and yet it grows big and can do amazing things. What about the other parable, the parable of the yeast? How is that one different from the parable of the mustard seed? Um, is it saying the same thing? Well, in some ways it is. Um, something small has a powerful impact, but it's a slightly different emphasis as well. And the second point I want to make is that the growth of the kingdom is far-reaching and invisible. It's invisible. We were on holiday last year in France, and I used to get up every morning quite early to go to the the boulangerie, which is the the baker's, Um, in case you're you're A-level French, you can't remember that. I'm sure the younger guys will know what that is. And I used to stand in that queue outside the, the boulangerie, waiting to get in, such was the demand for for baguettes. And as you look through, you could see uh, half of it was the shop, and the other half you could see the actual kitchen behind, and you could see the, the baker 
rolling out all this dough into these long strips, long loads of lots of pans going into the oven and producing loads and loads of baguettes and um, little croissants and everything else. Now this passage here talks about a large amount of dough. Now if, if that's you and me, you're probably thinking, well, a bowl of dough, uh, making a couple of loaves. Um, but actually if you look down the note at the bottom of the page, it's saying 22 litres of flour. Um, now you don't need to be a great um, cook to work out that 22 litres of flour um, is going to produce a lot of bread. This, this is a huge amount we're talking about. And yet it doesn't need an awful lot of yeast to change that um, flour into dough to make it rise. Let me just, um, for you um, people who've never made bread, I include myself in this, I think, actually, but I'm educating myself at the same time. This is a little um, tin of yeast, easy-bake yeast. That is 100 grams of yeast. Now, that is enough if you add that to, this is one and a half kilos, five of these, that will change that, that will make it rise and produce that nice white fluffy bread that you have, I'm sure, for breakfast in the morning that you put your marmite on, if you're like me. Yeast is far-reaching. Um, and that is the same with the message of the kingdom of heaven. It has spread throughout the whole earth. Citizens of every country, we saw six of those here this morning, belong to the, the kingdom of heaven. And if you just read, I mean, read through this book here, Operation World, and you'll see in every country of the world just what is going on um, as the, the gospel message is spread. It is far-reaching. And the other thing about yeast is here, as well as um, permeating the whole of the dough, it's invisible. You don't see exactly what is going on. Um, it works its way through the entire batch of dough to make the whole thing rise. Now, I'm not a great scientist. I didn't do particularly well in my uh, physics GCSE. I didn't do biology. But uh, apparently the way it works, and uh, some of you scientists will be able to correct me here, is that uh, there are living organisms here in this yeast. They're called enzymes. And um, they break down the little molecules in the flour. They produce a sort of sugar, which they then feed on. And um, that produces this gas, carbon dioxide, which raises the, uh, the, the dough and produces that, um, that bread. Correct me if I'm wrong there, anybody. But uh, it's the same with the impact of the gospel. We don't see what is going on. Um, during that time in China, when Christianity was suppressed, it looked like it was wiped out, but it was still working, invisibly. And um, as greater freedom came, it rose to the surface. And we see what is going on today. And it's the same in the lives of individuals. We don't see what is happening in the lives of people because God is doing his work in people's hearts. He's making their hearts restless. He's making them see how they're, they're turned in on themselves, that their need for, for him... He's making them see that they need him to fill that gap in their lives. We don't see that impact until it translates into changed lives. But that doesn't mean that it's not going on now and here. We may not even know the impact on our own lives of what God is doing within us as he sort of prompts us, as the Spirit makes us question what is going on. Alan Gibson was sharing 
Um, he was preaching in the church the other week. He goes around different churches and preaches. And um, there was a man there on that particular Sunday he preached who had been meeting with uh, another Christian, just reading the Bible together. Um, no apparent impact in his life. Um, but that particular Sunday, he said, it all makes sense. It all makes sense. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to follow him as my Lord. And so for those of you who are Christians here this morning, don't be discouraged if those you love, those you pray for, uh, your children, husbands and wives, your friends, your family, if they haven't yet become Christians. It's an invisible work that is going on. And we might not be able to see what is happening. But that doesn't mean that God is not at work. As we um, come to the end, BBC ran a, uh, a TV series recently titled the, the Most Dangerous Man in Tudor, England. I don't know how many of you have studied the Tudors, but I wonder who you would say was the most dangerous man in Tudor, England. Who was that? Maybe a terrorist? Um, that uh, fierce uh, fighter? Uh, well, actually, the, the answer was William Tyndale. Apparently, he was the one who was described as a dangerous man in Tudor, England. He was the one who translated the Bible into English. That was what made him dangerous to the state and the church. Um, the Bible is the Word of God. And the Word of God in people's hands, as they open it, has power. It has the power of salvation for everyone who believes. And that means if you are reading, if you're sharing the message of the Bible, God can use you to change the lives of many people in the same way that he used William Tyndale. So don't be discouraged. There will always be those who reject the message. We learned that from the parable of the seller. But the growth of the kingdom is unstoppable. It's like a Mexican wave that has got um, movement behind it. And whilst at the moment we're just talking about a, a spiritual kingdom, there will one day be a time when Jesus comes again and we will see a physical kingdom as he gathers his people and as we worship him as the Lord of all lords and the King of all kings. So can I just leave you with a challenge? If you're not part of that kingdom yet, if you haven't yet given your life to Christ, why not do that today and worship the one who is the true King of kings? We're just going to have a moment of quiet just to um, reflect on what has been said. The Lord is speaking to us. Um, then I'll pray and we'll have our final hymn. Some of those um, images that we read about in these parables are very simple, very easy to understand how a tiny mustard seed becomes a tree, a tiny bit of yeast can work its way through a whole batch of flour. Lord, we praise you that Jesus came as a, as a small seed. And yet through the power of the message he brought, the message of salvation, a great kingdom has been established. A kingdom where people of all different nationalities have committed their lives to following Jesus as their king. Lord, we pray that that growth would continue, that your kingdom would come. And we look forward to the day when you come back to establish your king, kingdom and fulfil it in all reality. And Lord, help us to be committed and faithful citizens of your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.